how can we leverage something like real estate investing starting at age 26 to help us retire faster or retire with more money? We have clients who pay us on a consistent monthly retainer, but the biggest fear is like, what if every client drops off? I sell it for usually at this price point, at least a hundred thousand dollar gain. If you can't be disciplined enough to put money away every month, you're never going to get what you want in life. Hey everybody, this is Chris Moore, your intentional investor. We're doing a special live kind of studio audience type podcast. The only problem is we don't have an actual studio audience, so we're going to do like some fake clapping and things in the background to make it feel like we do. Yes, you're great. You're wow. We got Lorian here with us today. We're in the studio, and we want to talk about real estate. So real estate investing specifically, being a, a gentleman like yourself, married, right. uh, focusing on not just how do I get better at what I do every day and make more money, but I also want to eventually not have to work. And we've talked about it before, and real estate investing is a part of your plan. Like, you want to get some rentals. I think you wanted to live, like, on some acreage or something yeah, one day. So let's just yeah. talk about kind of your ambitions, what you want. Okay. And then if you don't mind, maybe we just kind of map out a plan on how you could get there, maybe the first steps yeah. you should be taking. And I may hold your feet to the fire a little bit, <laughs> hold you accountable, and call you out if you've let's got go. any stuff. Because I think mindset has a lot to do with it. It's, it's easy to get your, your second million after you have your first. It's easy yeah. to get your third property after you already have two, but how do you get to that first one? Yeah. Right. So let's talk about real estate, your okay. ambitions. First of all, for the audience here, how old are you? I'm 26 years old, married at 24 years old, 25 years old. and Definitely married up. Yeah, well, married up. My wife's actually working the camera right now. Shout out to you, baby. That's brownie points for when we get home. Fair enough. <laughs> Tell the world. I guess that's okay, right? You did put a ring on it. So I did, good. right? So let's talk about real estate, though. Yeah. So at some point, you don't want to work anymore. Right. Um, and, and I know it's really maybe hard to think about at 26, but I wish more people would start thinking about it at 26. And, and not just a house of where we as where we live and real estate is what we, we buy because we're supposed to, but how can we leverage something like real estate investing starting at age 26 to help us retire faster or retire mm -hmm. with more money? And how can we use real estate investing in, in houses and properties as uh, almost like a savings account? It could be uh, a wealth accelerator, things like that. Well, so. I'd like more so just to have incoming cash outside of, because right now we run a content creation agency and we have clients who mm -hmm. pay us on a consistent monthly retainer. But mm -hmm. the biggest fear is like, what if every client drops off yeah. and we don't have any other asset to fill that in, which is why I wanted to do real estate, because those like that's still monthly, a monthly recurring revenue that comes into our bank account and requires, I, I assume at least could be less, could less be. outside of the upfront work. Sure. It's easier to manage. Maybe, maybe. maybe. So tell me before we get into that, cause okay. I have some thoughts on that subject okay. for you, but what's the ambition? Like, so are you trying to buy a rental property right now? Like, what are you going after? Well, I would like to buy a rental property, but being that I'm a first time home buyer, I know the interest rates are up a lot. But yeah, the mm. ideally, I would like to have at least three to five rental properties within the next, like just one per year. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really the goal. I just would like to have like... <laughs> so let me ask you, what do you know about buying a rental property? Um, very little. I, I talked to a Alex, I forgot where... She was a mortgage mortgage broker. Okay. Yeah, and she helped us out with making sure that we know like our credit was in check and everything. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, we've never bought a property before in our life. Got um, it. Got it. We I still needed I needed help a few years ago just getting into my apartment. Yeah. So when I say yeah. complete, I got you. <laughs> complete I got you. That's normal. Yeah. That's normal though, right? So yeah. it's just a it's a process. 
Yeah. Right. So let's go back to what you said again a minute ago, like okay. the idea of being able to have almost a fallback passive income streams, more money outside of the clients you're serving. So you kind of mm -hmm. have a safety net. So let's just bust that myth for just a second right okay. out of the gate. That may not be the easiest way to do that. Real estate could be really good. Uh, unless you're really going like creative financing and learning how to get into properties with no money down and, and using those type of techniques, it's going to be more difficult to get into a property that's going to cash flow and cash flow enough to make it worthwhile, right? So really, let's just get away from everything and just go straight back to traditional real estate investing. There's, you really have two main things, which is cash flow investing okay. and appreciation investing, right? Cash flow investing is when you're buying a property, hoping that the difference between your mortgage payment and the rent someone's paying you is going to pay you a monthly cash flow amount. And that's kind of what you were alluding to a minute ago. Yes. But in all reality, with interest rates being as high as they are, mortgage mortgages are more expensive. Also, rent's expensive, I guess. But that gap between what someone's paying and what your mortgage is is really your cash flow. But if you don't have a lot of money up front to put down on a property, your mortgage is going to be higher. It may not be as obtainable. And there's so many experts. I'm not going to tell you right now that I'm a real estate investing coach or trainer. I know mm -hmm. a lot of them. I but you've done a lot. I've done a lot of investing yeah. and uh, also sold a lot of houses. So I get it. And I know the style investor I am has mm -hmm. nothing to do with cash flow. I'm an appreciation investor, but just want to make sure we're on the right so, topic, right? So imagine if you did save up 20% of a down payment on right. an investment property, 20, 25%, and you go buy a house that's $250,000 and you okay. have a mortgage that let's say is 1500, 1600 now because the interest rates are high. And then you go rent it out for let's say 1800 a month. That's mm -hmm. only $300. So you actually had to pay like 50 grand down <laughs> plus have all the risk in, of carrying the property and having to pay the payment even if someone's not running it to make a $300 a month return, right? So that's yeah. where it's just the math doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people out there who teach creative financing and how to get into deals with no money down and be able to use other people's money, OPM, to get it. Right. And, and there's faster ways to do it. But when someone's getting into it from the very beginning, I want to go back to something else that you said. You said, mm -hmm. you know, maybe buy one to three properties in the next couple of years, or maybe one per year. Yeah. So there's another way you could do it. Right. When you buy an investment property and you buy it as an investment, you have to put a larger down payment down. Mm -hmm. I mean, 20 20 percent most most of the time standard for the minimum down payment for an investment property. Yeah. It's a lot of cash, which is wild. Right. Yeah. But if you go buy a house to live in it, you can put a much lower down payment down. I mean, even as low as zero down. Right. With some areas and some price points of houses, like there's rural development, USDA. If you were a veteran, you could do the VA. I don't like any of the zero down loans at all. If I do zero down, would the interest rates go up a lot more? Not necessarily. It depends on what it is. I'm not a big fan of zero down, uh, and I'll tell okay. you why in a minute. But imagine if you jumped in at three percent or five percent down, which is much more obtainable. Yeah. Is it easier to save three percent of two fifty or or five percent of two fifty or twenty percent of two fifty? Easily three to five percent. Yeah. So imagine <laughs> what we do is the one year rule. You can actually buy a house live in it as an owner-occupant. That's the language around this, mm -hmm. owner-investor, owner-occupant. As an owner-occupant, live there for a year, then you could rent it out and then buy a new one. And you can do that every year. And what you're doing is you're lowering the barrier to entry where you're not paying a big 20% down every time you buy the property, but instead you're getting in at that 3 or 5% down. And that allows the barrier entry to buy the property be much lower, right? So every year, if you did that, yes, you would be moving every year to a new right. house. That's, yeah. <laughs> and that's part of the game, but um, that's called the one-year rule. And you can do that. And that's one way that people who don't have a lot of cash, who want to get into real estate investing, 
That's how a lot of them do it. So, so I'm doing it right now. I'm sitting in this house right now. You saw I'm, I'm actually right. working on the kitchen. And every three years, I end up taking the house that I've been living in. I've been fixing it up over three years, enjoying it. I sell it for, usually at this price point, at least a $100,000 gain every three years. And I move mm. up to something different, right? And it's not a pain in the butt to move that much. Maybe it is, but we don't, <laughs> we don't look at it that way. It's our investment strategy. This is how we make more money. So all I would need to do, essentially starting off with, like you become an owner occupant, you live there for one year. To buy your first house to live in it. Yeah. After a year, you literally can rent the house out you live in and buy a new one. So my first goal then, because you know we run a, we're running an agency. With my first goal just to be able to get like quoting you like a surge of income in order to be able to get the cash to be able to like have a down payment to be able to get the first house. What would your first step be if you were in my in my shoes? So so let's just just let's use some average numbers. They don't have to be accurate or anything. But let's say okay. you were making seven thousand a month. Right. Okay. Making seven grand a month and you want to buy a house that's a quarter million dollars. Interest right. rates are high right now, obviously. <laughs> the first thing you gotta do, especially when you like own an agency, is you gotta be qualified to buy a house, right? So yeah. if you go talk to a mortgage officer, if you're doing traditional financing, by the way, there's all these creative people out there, but traditional financing, they're gonna want you to qualify for a house. So maybe you need to be self-employed over two years of tax returns filed as a self-employed person before you can qualify it to even get a traditional mortgage. So the first step is to get qualified and being fully aware of what it takes to be qualified, talking to a mortgage officer, mortgage broker, mortgage banker, and saying, what do I need to do for my specific situation to be able to qualify for a traditional mortgage? That's step one. Step two, when I do qualify, what type of down payments do I need to be preparing for and saving up to pay? Okay. to be able to buy the house. And what's my affordability index? You know, Based off how much money I have, my DTI debt to income ratio, mm -hmm. how much money can I afford monthly payment wise that you'll actually give me a loan for? Hmm. You know, So understanding all that's the first step, preparing yeah. for that. And if it's for you, maybe you've been self-employed for two years already and you're just like, all right, well, you've already checked that box. Now you just need to save up 10 grand and make sure your credit stays up and don't take on any more revolving debt. Like don't go buy two new cars. So and you'll be good. You know, it's more individual to you. Maybe you can help me because I, I feel like I probably have a limiting belief in this where because like I know I keep relating back to the agency and everything, but that's where really where my life has kind of been revolving around. So everything that we've been earning has been pretty much going back into buying equipment. Sure. And sure. anything that we can to increase the value of what we can provide. Sure. And so being able to save up for a house or save up for a down payment has been more so of a. It's been a struggle, I bet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, man, we can, we can unpack this for days. There's so much to talk about. So much. Let me, let me tell you a couple of things and ask another question, okay? Okay. What I just said doesn't change. You got to know what it's going to take and what scenario has to play out for me to be able to buy my first house. That has to be the same. Right. And then you have to make decisions every day that change the way that you're doing things that are going to lead you towards it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you knew that I've got a year and a half to save up $15,000... To buy my house, I need to make sure that my credit stays at a certain point, and I'm just waiting a year and a half so I can file my second tax return as a self-employed person. Mm -hmm. I need my taxes to show to the IRS that I made this much money or I'm not going to qualify. You're making decisions based off that information, getting you prepared to buy a house. Forget about everything else for a minute. It's more of understanding and over this 18 month period that I need to save up 15,000. I need to make sure I'm not getting an unnecessary debt and I need to make sure that on paper, I'm not writing off too many deductions where I'm not showing any money at the end of the year because no one's going to lend me any money to buy a house. Okay. That's first, you got to be able to understand what you need to get to, to make yeah. decisions to get there. The next step would be 
if you're having trouble coming up with the ability to save 15 grand, if I said that you have 18 months to save 15 grand, you got to mm. save about $875 a month. Yeah. Right. So there's <laughs> so there's two things to do. Right. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, it could be. Yeah. Well, say what if you focused subjective. on earning another three thousand dollars a month? What if most of your energy and focus beyond your normal business didn't focus on saving eight seventy five, but earning but earning another, yeah, but earning another three thousand? Right. Right. Could you carve out eight hundred seventy five dollars a month and put it away? Yeah. Sure. So instead of just figuring out like how to spend less money so I can save eight seventy five of everything I'm making also goes back into my business or paying my life living expenses. Why don't you focus that same energy on making more? Hmm. What if you had one more client that paid you three grand a month? Yeah. And then the other part of this is just willpower and discipline. You have to be disciplined and yeah. have to say, no matter what, it's called pay yourself first. You got to pay yourself every month. Hmm. You've got to pay yourself and put something away. Because at the end of the day, do you want to work for five years and look back and still have nothing? No, sir. No, you don't. Because, <laughs> and that's where willpower comes into play. Yeah. Like, there's all these shiny things we want to buy and... I get it. I'm not the Dave Ramsey guy. Nice guy, I'm sure. I'm not a big fan of that concept. I think that people who need Dave Ramsey need Dave Ramsey. People who have problems with self-discipline, self-control, they don't know how to spend money or save money, and they're coming up on retirement age and there's no way they're going to retire. He's like a savior to those people. But if you don't need that, you don't need it. I'm not a big fan of that necessarily for everyone, but there's a lot of truth to what he's teaching there where if you can't be disciplined enough to put money away every month, you're never going to get what you want out of life. Wow. Right. So for me, my first thing is, like we always talk about, learn unbelievably high demand skill sets that pay unbelievable money, no matter what the economy is doing, that doesn't need a college degree. If you focus on investing yourself and making yourself more valuable to your clients where they pay you more money, a lot of this comes really natural. Instead of trying to scrounge and save eight seventy five a month, I'm just going to make an extra ten grand a month and save three thousand a month. Interesting. That's a better mindset. So how do you feel about like high demand skills? I know the typical ones are digital marketing, uh, cap venture capitalists. So uh, raising capital, raising capital yeah. business acquisitions, content creation, yeah, digital marketing, high ticket sales, leveraging AI, creating leads. How do you feel about the content creation as a high demand skill now? like in 2023, I think as opposed it, to as it used I to be. I think it's more of what problem are you solving for people with money at the end of the day. Hmm. If you want to make more money and you work for yourself and you provide a service to the, to the market, it's pretty simple. I want to make money and get paid for making richer people and solving their problems than working with people with a lot less money. Like you choose, you, you choose the clients you go after. So am I going to go and try to pull on clients that are barely making it and I'm going to help them build their business? No. Right. I'm going to only work with really established businesses that really find value and they make a ton of money off the content I'm creating mm -hmm. because then they're willing to pay more for it. Well, somebody out there, like if they're just starting out and they don't have access to, like, I'm friends with you, and yeah. that has opened the doors for me for a lot of opportunities, sure. which I'm very grateful for. Sure. Well, if somebody else doesn't have, like, they're at home and they don't have Start that. Start the network. Like where, like how? <laughs> nope. Well, first of all, if you have nothing of value to exchange to people with money, usually they're not going to give you a lot of their time, right? So go learn Good things. Point. Like go That's figure out what rich yeah. people and, and bigger businesses are needing. Who are they hiring? What are they starving for? What is a big needle mover in their in their revenue? And go figure out how to fill that demand. I mean, oh. if, if you look over and see that this business is screaming, like we need more salespeople, we pay really well, then go learn how to sell and right. go work for them and make lots of money. Like, Do you feel like doing a... a in that scenario, like a car salesman, because there's there I have a friends right now who are struggling. He has two kids. Um, Selling cars? No, no. Oh, he was okay. he was working at warehouse, but actually mm. I said two kids. He has like five or six kids, Dang. and he just has another one on the way. Um, Dang, yeah. And he's my age right now, and he's worried that they just got evicted from their house, and they're he doesn't really have any high demand skills. He's trying to learn programming, but 
for like sales? What? How can you get into high ticket sales or something like that and learn that high demand skill? You you need to be real with yourself too. Not everyone's made for high ticket sales, right? So if you have certain intangible skill sets and characteristics, it may be more natural. But not everyone's built for sales programming. I I, I don't think that's a high high demand skill that pays tons of money. It could be in certain niches. Like yeah. I go get a Google nano degree and pay 220 bucks one time mm-hmm. and let Google teach me how to go work for them and let them pay me lots of money. That's a good idea. I would, if I'm going to do programming and that's the way I'm, I'm a mathematical brain, I like to solve problems. I'm, I'm cool with being in a laptop all day. Um, go, go researching, type into Google, like what Amazon programmers make the most money and how did they learn what they learn and go learn what they learn and then put your resume in and show them or go there's Cisco and all these different companies that are literally yeah. training their next workforce by you pay like 500 bucks. You take a course when you finish it, they hire you. Like I, I don't, I don't see how it's so hard. People wow. are not Google searching the right stuff. That's what I think. But I don't think, I don't think your, your programmer friend needs to go be a high ticket sales guy. You know, that's mm. a, that's a, it's a very different type of skill set. Okay. But it's more of what can you do that feels more natural to you that you're interested in? Hmm. And then who who would pay you the most money to do it? How can you provide value to their life? So it's like if you're watching this and you're a content creator, are you going to go work with startups? No, they're not going to pay you. They don't have any money. Right. They're going to offer you pizza, equity, and a couch to sleep on or something. Like, You don't want to do that. Go work for companies that already need what you're offering. They already believe they need it. They know how to channel the content you're creating to make them money. Like, It's not the content that you're creating that's making us money. It's how we're channeling it. Right. You know that, right? Yeah. You know, so... It was a mental shift for me. Like, it is a big mental shift, right? So it's not about like artistic and being creative and being great with a microphone and being great at. It's about how to do that with the people who know how to make money with it, because that's where it's worth a lot more. So switching, basically switching your idea cap from being a content creator to like a content strategist. I help people create high quality content that converts into cash. That's what I would do. Hmm. Um, I, I think about like, I'm the guy you call when you need blank. Remember we yeah, talked about love, that many times, love, right? I so so if I look at like, <laughs> hey, I'm a content creator. No, I'm the guy you call when you have the opportunity to create lots of money for your business yeah. leveraging content yeah. but you don't know how to do it that's the that's who i am that's the guy i am i forgot about i'm not that. a content creator that. i'm the guy thing. you call when yeah. you know that's a better yeah. way to look at what you do because you can go create content for a real estate agent and help them shoot their like, you're not gonna make any money doing yeah. that. <laughs> not gonna make any money doing that they're not gonna share their commission with you yeah right or you can go make money by making content for somebody who's learned how to leverage instagram and make wow. 10 million dollars a month and and you can go and be a part of that journey that what you're doing for them is worth so much more money right. to them than some real estate agent you know so just to recap everything we kind of talked about. How do we get to this topic? We were still starting I, we, I know we throw real estate. I'll say that. <laughs> go ahead, recap it. No, no, I'll just, I'm just, I'm going to ask you to recap. Go ahead. So start with, do you believe starting, start with a high demand skill. After you find the high demand skill that makes you money, then save up start saving up for a down payment or do your like what do you, do you, i think it's hard it, to really put anything into some sort of box like that i think we're talking yeah. to you we're talking about lorian we're talking about you want to buy a house we're talking about how much money you're making we're talking about how to save up fifteen thousand over 18 months and not make bad credit decisions that's what we're talking about here yeah. it's so personalized <laughs> it's so different yeah okay. you know somebody else in the room or somebody else listening has a totally different Thing than you do. They may yeah. be a W-2 looking to buy their first house. It's a different, so I can't put it into a box. Okay. But what I can tell you is if you're out there and you are self-employed, 
and you're tired of making more money every month yet having nothing to show for it, yet maybe your lifestyle's a little bit better, yet you have nicer clothes or, or clothes with me on the picture, right? That's nice. But in, instead, you want to be able to look back and say, wow, look what I built and look what I have. Wow. You know, at the end of the day, your net worth is what you own minus what you owe. At the end of the day, you work hard for five years. What do you own? Right. You know, so all I'm talking to you about is on a, on a personal level is rather than trying to figure out how to scrape and salvage and, and let your personal quality of life suffer, focusing on saving $875 a month, mm -hmm. I would double down on how can I do this at a higher level, mm -hmm. make more money, and at the same time, keep my lifestyle suppressed much lower than my, my income mm -hmm. that allows me to have a lot more investable money and money that I can save every month to be prepared to invest. Yeah, this has been a great, a great, I appreciate like- For sure. Chris has helped me since I was working at, I think I was 18 years old. I'm 26 now at the Ninja Academy and has been pouring me from sales to now where I'm uh, agency owner and investing. Like, I appreciate you so much, for man, sure, for dude. everything that you've My done. My pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. You. But one more thing to that, though. I mean, you got to start with, I know what I want in life. I want to buy a house. And then you got to go talk to the right person that's going to guide you on what that looks like. And then they say, all right, now here's the roadmap. 18 months. Don't make any bad credit decisions. I need you to save up 15 grand and you need to make sure the IRS thinks you make at least 80 grand a year. If you don't have that blueprint, you literally can't get to your destination. So that was the first step. Figure out All what right. you want, go to the person that can help you get there and ask them what would have to be true. What does that journey look like for me? And then go let that be a guy, a compass for your decision making. Okay. That's gotta be part of it. Okay. Yeah. And then don't yeah. live in the scarcity mindset where I can only make seven grand a month. So I'm gonna have to like make sure my cost of living's below five grand. No, no. That's fine. To, yeah. It's great. But if you're in like your type of environment yeah. where you can take on one more client and double your income, man, just right. keep your cost of living as low as you can, still be comfortable, but mm -hmm. focus on accelerating your net, your, your income for that purpose. Okay. Yeah. Because you can't feed your net worth without accelerating your income. You just can't do it. And life's not getting any cheaper. No, it's not. And eventually, y'all are going to have little Lorians running around, and they're expensive. I've got a two couple years. of those. You know? <laughs> so. My wife in the back, like, nah, two years, right, two right, years, two right, years. All right. All right. You guys can adopt me if you want to get Yeah. <laughs> is that uh, naming our Chris? Is that for the college fund? Is that is that applicable for us, too? I'm just kidding. That's another video, another day. Yeah. It's <laughs> another video, another day. Yeah. If you awesome. named your kid Chris Moore, yeah. and you like gave it my last name, I'll definitely pay for everything. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, You're going to college. This is a, it's, it's a documented fact. If you name your kid after me, I'm going to take care of it. So, yep. Just a awesome. thought. Yeah. yeah. My nephew just turned 16. He's got a Cadillac. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I bought him yeah. a Cadillac, yeah. You're, you're such a gift giver. No, I just, he's a cool kid. Is that, your love, is that one of your love languages, do you think? Like giving uh, gifts? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that and foot massages. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Man, let's just address one more thing on this video before we end it is we're both wearing pretty wild shirts right now. Right. Yeah, just keeping it keeping it light, keeping it fun. Keeping it casual. Yeah, this is my Dia de los Muertos shirt. This is uh Lorian's shirt with my face on it. Yeah. Kinda it, awkward. It's it actually would, how I picked up Zach. Yeah. yeah. He wore this to church one time and yeah. it was really awkward. I know, right? <laughs> Someone says, like, how did you get that picture of Paul Walker on your shirt like that? Yikes. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in. This was just yeah. kind of an impromptu thing we're doing in the studio today. I just wanted to chat with Lorian kind of about where he is right now. He's looking to buy a house pretty soon. And sometimes when you want to do stuff like that, but you don't know what steps to take, it, it seems even more impossible. Sometimes it seems pointless. Why am I even trying? Or sometimes you listen to the wrong person. Like, because you can go Google this and... and there's a lot of people that are going to tell you a lot of really good advice, and none of them necessarily better or worse than mine, but I, I would encourage you to be careful who you listen to. Yeah. So imagine if you're 
Maybe maybe it's like you're really affluent and you got a lot of money. You're like, how do I invest my money? And all of a sudden you lay, learn lay, learn on or land on Dave Ramsey. Like his advice isn't going to help somebody. Imagine if you have no money at all. You're 48 years old. You've mm. got zero in retirement, and then you type in how to accelerate my retirement savings, and you land on Jordan Belfort. Like it's not going to help you. They need a Dave Ramsey. Like right. so, you got to make sure based off where you are in your life that you listen to the right people. Yeah. And uh, I'll even say like for me. Like, I, I don't believe in, I don't know if I can say this on YouTube or not, so we may, but, but like mental masturbation, when you just watch, yeah, yeah, let's let it rock for a second, okay? <laughs> but you're, you consume a whole bunch of content, and you're just always thinking about, oh, I can do this, oh, I can do this, I'll do this, and it's just, essentially what I call it is like mental masturbation, you're not taking any action, <laughs> and you're just like, you're just consuming a whole bunch of content. Instead of focusing on, typically I find one person, like if yeah. I'm listening to you, yeah. or I like Tom Noski, he's a dope content creator, yeah. and I just stick to them, I listen to their, whatever their lifestyles looks like, that's sure. what I'm trying to work to, that's sure. pretty much the only content that I'll, I'll take in, yeah. and then I just take action on that, mm. video by video, as opposed to just consuming hours and hours and hours of well, content and never doing anything with it. I think that can be good and bad. Because if you rabbit hole in the wrong person, you're just getting more Fact. bad stuff. That's so, true. That's true. So first of all, that, the concept of what those two words are together—I've never heard those two words yeah. combined. That you was like it? It was awkward and, and exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, you know, let's say uh, knowledge without action is just entertainment. Like learning without yeah. taking action. Number one. Number two. Do you feel like you can learn a lot of good and bad things from your dad, and learn a lot of good and bad things from your mom? Yeah. It's all perspective. So I don't think listening and learning from multiple people is bad. I think you need to learn what people are doing, and I think you're going to pick up on things that don't align with you culturally or ethically that you're not going to do, and you're also going to see things that people have done and accomplished that you're like, wow, that's really cool. So I think learning from lots of people and being able to translate it through your, your, through your own actions is really smart. Like, so yeah. I learned things from my dad that I'd never do and things from my dad I'd always yeah. would love to do, and same thing with my mom. So I think you can take the bad and the good, and you can kind of pave your own path. Yeah. So I wouldn't I just I wouldn't just study one person necessarily, yeah. but I mean at the end of the day, it's hard to argue that the logic behind this person's <laughs> already achieved what I'm looking to do. I have a lot to learn from them. Yeah, and that's not it's not a it's not a in my perspective, it's not a dismay to like other creators from learning from them. Like I'll watch other videos, but typically sure. if I'm learning for somebody, sure. like if I buy a course, I'm not going to go watch YouTube content and then go back to the course. Like I'll finish the course first sure. and just stay there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I do agree. Learning from different aspects and yeah, taking you. out filtering is good. I mean, how did we get on this tangent? It's kind of crazy how we yeah. got through there. But thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next video. If you want to keep diving deep and maybe watch some of my podcasts, is it on this side? It's yeah. on this side. It's gonna be Click on this right over here. Watch my podcast. What I do a lot is on the Surges of Income podcast is sit down with people who are in our inner circle protege program or business owners, and we talk about how they can really take their business or their profits to the next level or how to sell their business, or how to accelerate their wealth uh, through other channels to create surges of income. And I'd love for you to watch that. Maybe you'll take something that can bless your life away from it. And mm -hmm. uh, subscribe, like our channel, please, and we'll see you in the next video.